Thanks for downloading the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode of the podcast, we're here with David Grin, founder of Dada Editions, an online platform for the sale of artist-commissioned video, sound, and web art editions. This new and innovative way to collect art is designed specifically to be a native platform to a new generation of artists who work with moving image and sound. David, it's great to speak with you. Hi there, Adam. So first, tell us what exactly are these editions for those who haven't discovered them yet? Um, data editions is um, to be just precise it is uh, we commissioned 18 artists to produce six works each uh, six in the section called video six in sound six in an area called web on our new website which we launched in May at the NADA and Freeze Art Fairs in New York the, um, the sort of ostensibly it was set up as a um, a platform to um, empower both the artist who makes the work using this medium and the marketplace, which really needs um, a push um, because it's not um, finding its feet so quickly, um, even though we all use the internet all the time. So for me, setting this up was about setting up the most normal thing possible um, in that, that would hopefully present artists' work in this way, in that one of the best ways possible. But we're a very finite model. We're not all things to all people. We're only commissioning 18 artists at one time in the first season, which we did, and in the second season, maybe a few more, but it's, there's a finite budget to be able to do that. And in the, we've only commissioned artists to make works that are only up to three minutes long in each section. So some works are a few seconds, up to three minutes, and others um, that long. So it's not a platform to show any kind of um, artist moving image, any kind of digital works. It really is quite uh, specific and focused. And how does a collector consume and enjoy this art? So uh, looking at some of the people who have purchased the editions, what exactly do they do after they buy it? How do they go about consuming it? This is downloadable contemporary art, so um, the work can all be downloaded, but anybody, collector or viewer, can view all the works in their entirety. If you go to the website, you enter the site, and very quickly will you see all the works, all the names of artists, because we wanted those to be paramount to our business model, and that the um, works can be accessed really easily and viewed really easily um, in no different way than you maybe go to a website to buy and purchase music or um, movies. Uh, and the, um, the, the, the collector, the person who purchased them, gets uh, a, a higher quality version and there's only a limited edition of 15 for sale. There's also five that are not for sale. So um, there's, uh, there's a, that was the um, volume we believed was the right amount for this kind of work to keep it um, enough to purchase, but also not too many to kind of, um, um, you know, so that the price can be um, sustained. And uh, we also set up the price that you could be a collector for $100 of some of the web and sound works and $200 for the video section works. Those are the, fir the first edition of any of the works were those prices, and they go up as they sell out, so the next work is $100 more, $200 more, depending on which section. And the final price is 
approximately, well, it is exactly for video $5,600. So that's the price I would think that the work is actually worth when you get to that price. So everything less than that, I, you know, I would say it because it's my business, but I'd say you're getting a good bargain. And even the one at that price, you're getting a really good bargain because these are great works by young, emerging, and in some cases, very emerged, talented, brilliant artists that are working with these mediums. Yeah, let me ask you about that. Who are some of the artists you've worked with so far, and how have they responded to working with you on such a unique concept? Uh, well, artists, I could name a few names. I'll, I'll say some. I'll probably forget a few, but I'll try and be as broad as I can. Takeshi Murata, Hannah Perry, John Rathman, Ed Fornellis. Ed Fornellis and John Rathman were actually advisors at the beginning of our thinking about the business. Chloe Wise, Stephen Vitiello, Amalia Allman, uh, Charles Richardson, um, Florian Meisenberg, Rachel McLean, Lena Lapolite. I'm naming names, but here's Daniel Keller and Marty Kalaya, uh, Leo Gabin, a trio from Belgium, uh, Matt Hobson, uh, David Blandy, Illit Azulai, and Helen Benningson. I've actually named them all, so I haven't forgotten anyone. And um, the um, they, you know, in many cases, we, we you know, these are artists that we've sort of been aware of, followed, had good connections with over many years. Some some are fairly new graduates, but there was some kind of aura about them and other people talking about them. So the sort of ecosystem around them was very much. Um, a um, you know uh, a sort of buzz around what they're doing, and they sort of responded really favourably to when we approached to talk about doing it. It's very much you know even though it's digital, it's very much a human business. We're liaising all the time, aiming to promote the artist and their work. We don't represent the artist, but we're working really closely with them. We're not working with their galleries, but in many cases we were liaising as well with their galleries of some of the artists who have galleries and talking about the project. And, um, and many of the galleries are very supportive. In some cases, have poor purchased some of the works. Others really wanted their artists to be on the platform because most of them know they struggle selling artists moving image and digital works. Currently, it's, it's, a, it's, a very, um, it's a very emerging still, even though it's been around since the 70s, video art. It's a very emerging platform for the marketplace, uh, medium for the marketplace. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that with you. You know, you guys are doing something that's very emerging, but as you said, digital art, video art has been around for quite a while, and it has struggled uh, to get sort of in the mainstream of art collecting. What do you think are some of the reasons behind that, and do you think there's a potential solution so it, it could become more mainstream and could evolve and have a greater presence within the art world. Well, I think, I think um, we are creating a solution. There are many. We're not looking at this being the, um, the um, eureka moment for all solutions. It's a, a, a logic. The logic is here is to be able to pay the artists up front and sell all the work, but sell it well, promote it in a way that it's about the artwork and the artist and make the experience online very attractive and very easy and very current um, and aesthetic. Um, there are many um, logics that I have regarding why um, is a problem. I mean, I, I'm also the art curator of film at Art Basel in Miami Beach. And I would say over the last five years of my 
um, programming with them is that I've um, observed that it hasn't got easier encouraging galleries to think about bringing artists' moving image to the art fair. The reason I would say that is the case is that they're finding it still very hard to sell it. Uh, moving ephemeral mediums, um, digital mediums, uh, audience wanted to, the collector's audience want to take away an object. It's still this desire of the, uh, the collector to own something they can hold, touch, uh, and have very tangible. So I think that that's my assumption. I'm not kind of saying I know all the answers and I'm the, the font of all wisdom. I just, I feel my observation is very, still working very hard to encourage galleries to think about their artists that they represent to bring them at the time of an art fair. So the program in Miami with Art Basel is very much about making it a very large program, a very uh, big, larger than life, very big, very well promoted, um, um, well communicated, and very much how you can get an audience to look and be part of this programming uh, around an art fair. Because, I mean, the issue we're getting to here is that the art fairs have become ostensibly the dominant um, platform at any time of the year in any region for the viewing of art. So everyone wants to have their exhibition on at that time. Everyone wants to have their booth at the major art fair or the secondary or the tertiary art fair of that city. And now the problem is, is that there's too many things going on. So People don't make much time. They don't have much time. So what they want to do is get quick fixes. It's like the one-stop shop. Let's get it quickly. Let's see it quickly. You can't see moving image very quickly, usually. And so it's a very sort of flighty audience we've become. And it's very, you know, it, it's a reality. This is the time that, you know, you get museum directors, you get curators, collectors, um, artists, everybody coming to an art fair to look at, to do things, to have their show, to be seen, to go around buying, looking. Uh, that's the time they're doing it. So it's very much around a marketplace. I uh, don't really think in terms of um, the market forces generally when I'm thinking about art, but I really felt that I had to find a platform on top of the sort of non-commercial projects I do mainly. How do I encourage a marketplace? Because that's the need for artists to make a living. The artists then need to make new and more work. We have to keep thinking of those models. There are great models out there. EAI in New York, Video Data Bank, Chicago, Lux in England. Um, there are other platforms that are emerging uh, that are, you know, from Artsy, Sedition, um, uh, Depict, doing things with frames. I can name probably quite a few other names of things emerging. There's monograph. Um, there's um, there's, there's things emerging, and one hopes that many more emerge because I believe very much in the need for competition. Um, And I think it's really important to have a really good top-quality competition marketplace like you get when you have a major art fair like Freeze or Art Basel. Uh, and some of the other fairs like NADA and Untitled and so on, and the Armoury Show and there on. Uh, but if in the digital marketplace, there's very little competition because everybody wants to strive to have their monopoly so they can have the next dot-com sensation. So the art world doesn't work like that. So if you only have one player, you can't pay all the artists 
on that plat- one platform. There's not one platform that can sustain artists. You have to have many, like you have many galleries, many art fairs um, to sustain uh, the plethora of artists and the ecosystem around it. So I see what we're doing as hopefully being like a boutique Lower East Side gallery, East End London gallery, where you'd walk into the website like you might walk into the gallery and discover things and find that you can afford them, they're purchasable, and the experience is very good and very much about the art form itself, not um, trying to be about something else or about a digital sensation. Well, David, it's a great concept, and we'll definitely be watching this space moving forward. It's very exciting. Uh, We appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking with us about data additions, as well as just uh, digital art in general. And you have Freeze upcoming in London. Um, Are there any new new artists you're working with or any um, new additions you'll be having moving forward? Okay, well, um, this week during Freeze... um, uh, we're launching the third artwork of the sixth um, at the Zabladovich collection. We have the Data Editions Lounge there. This is coinciding with the John Rathman solo show there, as well as the Charles Richardson, both artists on our platform. Coincidentally and non-coincidentally, John Rathman was an advisor to myself and my advisor, mentor, um, colleague, Anita Zabladovich, who runs the Zabladovich collection, or who um, ostensibly owns it, and uh, it's actually run by Lizzie Nielsen, her curator. And um, the Charles Richardson is a young graduate from the Slay School of Art that we both, at the same time, um, noticed at his degree show. And when we were setting up the art editions, we both looked at each other and said, we want Charles Richardson on our side, and we're very happy that he is. And so both of them having their first kind of solo shows jointly at the same venue. So that's where we have a lounge, and we're announcing the third release effectively as of um, um, you know, this week. And so that's um, exciting. Um, we're also making the announcement uh, this week that um, a very good one for us is that we've had some major sales to um, a great um, collections as well as um, a great um, acquisition uh, philanthropic gift we gave to the Hammer Museum. And so with the Hammer Museum and this sale to the Julia Stotchek collection, we really think that it's a really great um, um, endorsement to what we're doing and to the artists that we have on our site. So 109 works of the totality of the first season and they've taken them all, as well as another major collection who we're not announcing just yet, just because we have to sign a few bits and bobs. Um, but we've also had great... We've also, because of the relationship, the Zabladovich collection has taken one work by all the artists, so that's in their collection. We've had some purchases by some leading galleries like um, Elizabeth D. Gallery in New York and Salon 94, um, We've also had the uh, Rene and Bob Drake, big collectors in uh, The Hague, Rotterdam, who have purchased a few works. So there's this sort of um, language that people can do the purchase of art that we've commissioned via our platform, which makes it really exciting for us that these are people who really do think hard about what they do and how they um, you know, collect art, look at art, value it, um, and it's you know it's not just a, a hobby for any of the people I've mentioned, and particularly with the um, we made it when I, we had our business plan that each season we will be making 
one philanthropic gift to a leading art institution and muse- or museum. And we had about seven dialogues with um, seven major museums in the States, and the hammer put the hand up first, and we it was a very um, easy process with them. And um, we're delighted, and we're making that announcement, and I'm making the announcement with you now, because, in fact, you're the, even though this might come out after we make it, this will actually be the first time I've mentioned it to anybody um, beyond um, our own inner circle. So... Um, it's a very exciting time. For me, it's a sort of great and an great endorsement of what we've set up. And one of the logics of setting that process up is to make sure that, you know, the works aren't just being um, shown via our own commercial platform, even though it's very philanthropic in its spirit. Uh, we want it to be um, shown um, on and through and with um, an institute where they can eventually make it available to the general public, um, and it's got a sort of the um, uh, credibility of uh, a museum standard work, and that kind of uh, process will hopefully give another voice to the um, the medium having its um, really in, uh, a huge intrinsic value um, to all around and, you know, maybe getting galleries to think about how they can do similar things on their websites and, uh, and, and you know, how giving, you know, a voice to artists who are nurtured and growing up through this medium and making work that they are just naturally attuned to making through this way. Well, that's fantastic news, David, and uh, we'll definitely be watching out for you guys uh, in the future. It'll be great to catch up again in the future and to have you back on the podcast. If our listeners want to learn more about Dot Editions or take a look at some of the editions, what's the website they can go to? Uh, We're at data-editions.com, and uh, it's very easy to access. Anyone can look at all the work. Um, In the first season, um, any viewer can... Um, access the work of John Rathman. We have a work by John Rathman called Oh, the Humanity, um, which you can see as part of the installation at the Zabradovitz collection if you're in London currently. But it's also a work that you can download for free without exchanging any financial details whatsoever. So you can enter the website and um, sign in to actually acquire um, an artwork that was made specifically for the site and it can be downloaded. And I, I've I've seen evidence of collectors posting, you know, very major collectors posting on uh, Instagram. There, there, John Rathman in uh, playing in their as part of their collection. So I think it's uh, very, again very exciting that we can have a work that anyone can have for free. They download. You can see them all for free, but you can't download them all. So that, uh, and when you do download a work, you get a certificate with it. So that was something we didn't mention earlier, which is um, unique to each work. And we've just tried to make it that it's a really easy and very natural way of um, using the uh, looking at work this way and using the internet and but about its own language. But I I, I was led to build the site um, just, uh, from um, a, an organisation called Studio Scar Sasha, who've also built this platform for other criteria and Damien Hurst new venue Newport Street um, in London but they built a platform called um, Sounds of the Universe a record store that's an actual physical record store and an online one one of the few places I go and purchase music from and that's kind of how we wanted this to be a very similar experience that you may buy music or movies and, and as enjoyable as doing so 
Great. Thanks again, David, for coming on. We appreciate it. It's great to be with you.